Uh, hello and welcome to the very <laughs> belated Mother's Day special. I had some stuff going on at home with the <laughs> repair people that kept me away from editing this episode. Which, guess what, folks? I lost part of anyway because uh, my dumbass, this happens in the recording all the time, with any any viable podcast, just happened to do it for where one side did not record it, that was my side. And uh, instead of tinkering with it while in, in struggling to get it out, I decided to cut that segment, uh, the What You've Been Watching, and uh, their, their beef of the week. And, um... Which we didn't even do. We even do. I, I was so flustered by the recording. We didn't even do that. So I think I'll uh, say Happy Mother's Day to to all the the ladies out there and all the people who have babies in the traditional sense and babies in the fur baby sense. Because uh, uh, people with pets who don't have children, they treat them like they're children. And the people uh, people that don't have pets just don't get it. And this is a conversation we had during the thing here. And uh, those people are stupid. That say that, especially when you lose a pet, they say that's just a dog. Well, you're you're not a pet owner, clearly. So, those kind of mothers out there are included in this Mother's Day message, of course, of course. So, yeah, I like to let a small mother's uh, <laughs> beef out of the of the woodwork here. There's been a lot of uh, a f- flutter and a flutter. Crazy people, in my opinion, that. I've been bitching about this this uh, Boy Scouts of America thing, where the girls want to join in with the Boy Scouts and join in their their games and their their their, their you know, I guess the more rough and tumble activities that the Girl Scouts do not have to offer. Uh, now, <laughs> this has created quite a backlash amongst people that I know that are, that are friends of mine and and people as a collective in this country. You guys have your feelings about this, and I, I I respect the people who are rational about it, but there is a bunch of irrational folks out there, like a majority of the ones who are bitching about this, who just make, turn themselves into pompous asses, saying that, you know, oh, we got Girl Scouts and we have Boy Scouts, and none, none, none of the, they should ever meet, and they should stay separate constantly. This is the 1950s or 60s gentlemen and ladies girls could do stuff that boys can do all the time. This was only a matter of time, because I'm sure with the laziness and the, the insolence of, uh, <laughs> and the over-medication of these young kids, uh, scouts have been on decline. Now, when I was a boy, I, I was in the scouts, and let, let me tell you, that our, our den parent was a den mother. Uh, my friend Adam Nesmith's mother, and she did just as good as a man can do in that situation, and her husband worked all the time, but she was there for her son and her her six or seven scouts that were in our, our troop, and I think that I'm a better man today because of my experience in the scouts, and I think that shouldn't be taken away from someone if they, they want to do that, not, not that, that Girl Scouts don't uh, entail uh, quality citizenship to people that... that make them better humans, because it does. It's a great, great program, and I'm not selling that at all. But the fact that um, the girls want to get out there and go do more stuff is not necessarily a bad thing. Only thing I wouldn't want is for them to change the rules for the for the girls and the Boy Scouts as, as far as the activities go, not as far as, oh, go let them shower together. No, that that's asinine and stupid. And uh, <laughs> I see you now constant memes, I'm, I'm chuckling because they're so fucking ridiculous about this whole Girl Scout thing, and I see that 
Girl Scout, a girl in a Girl Scout outfit, pregnant, and is like, oh, my first Boy Scout camping trip. It's like, that's just stupid, people. It wouldn't happen, for one thing. It more than likely would happen with one of the fucking adults that are take care and can take care of these fucking kids and on their trips, you know. Because we entrust a lot of a lot of time and, and power and to, the, to, the, to the watch and to, to, to look over of our kids. And it's a good thing if they're trustworthy. It's a real bad thing if they're not. But that happens on both sides of the coin. So if you're a supporter of this, if you're not a supporter of this, let's cool out either way because ne neither side is, is going to... Uh, <laughs> come out on top of this exactly the way they want to, much like any situation where both sides don't uh, don't agree. It's not political people. This is just the, the, the adjustment of your kids, and hopefully they're not assholes running the streets one of these days. And although I did run the streets quite a bit when I was younger, I didn't get into too much trouble, and I can contribute scouts and the leadership qualities that it taught me to uh, be a better man. And most of you guys who know me uh, know that I can get angry sometimes, but never never to the point of, you know, violence towards my fellow man. Maybe when I was younger, but like in my teenagers, maybe early 20s. But as a grown-up, you know, suppose, a supposed grown-up, we never really truly grow up, do we, guys? I, I can say that I, I haven't uh, thrown a punch in, I'd say, a good 16 or, or longer years. And even then, it wasn't all the time. It, it was only in the true heat or uh, <laughs> when alcohol was involved. You know, because uh, them 20s, man, they're a blur sometimes. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, yeah, don't be shitty to each other. Just just uh, l let us be all one unit. This is this is the 21st century, people. And uh, I think that uh, we'd be a lot better off if we had a little unity in there. And uh, let the girls go go do their thing. And let the boys go go do their, their thing. And... If you don't have a tolerance for your, your fellow man or your fellow person to let them in and, uh, maturely and productively and harmoniously, I think we're going to fail as a society. And that makes me really fucking sad. But guess what, folks? Tonight, today, on the Sim Beef Mother's Day special, you will hear myself, Jamie, and Suzanne talk about two films where mothers, <laughs> uh, either, uh, lead their sons to a life of crime or lead their sons sublimity sub, sublimity sublimity to a, a life of uh, murder for the government in the second film we're going to do our first Cagney which is White Heat from the 40s I think 1944 1943 and we're going to do The Manchurian Candidate which I believe is from 1962 and you will hear about all of that right after this promo and trailer Hello and welcome to Hello, This is the Doom Show. I'm Richard. And I hate the burning. Shh, who are you? Speak. <laughs> and I'm Brad. She came in and said, bark, 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 and he said, bark, 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 and she said, bark, 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 bark. that's what I got. One is the Suspiria boner, the other is the Inferno boner. <laughs> which, anyway. Which one is crying? <laughs> The boner of tears. <laughs> Hello, this is the Doomed Show. Is available on Hello Doomed Show. Podomatic. Com and Doomed Moviethon. Com. Hello, hello. This is the Doomed Show. Richard, Brad, Jeffrey, Nava. It's the Doomed Show. Hello, hello. This is 
get away with it, Cody. Cody, huh? You got a good memory for names. Too good. How do you like that, boys? A copper. And I was going to split 50-50 with a copper. <laughs> now tell me you're glad to see me. Only say it slowly. All I wanted was for you to come back. That's the truth. I love you, Cody. I love you. Shower curtain. It was Big Ed. He told me to do it. You wouldn't kill me in cold blood, would you? Now let you warm up a little. Let him have it. Oh, no. And lose our ace in the hole? He's gonna walk us out of here. Ain't you, copper? Ed. Still got nerves? White Heat from 1949. Uh, cheapo plot synopsis is this. <clears throat> Excuse me. A psychopathic criminal with a mother complex makes a daring break from prison and leads to leads his old gang in a chemical plant payroll heist. Shortly after the plan takes place, events take crazy turn. Yeah, like the end of the movie. Thanks, plot synopsis. But uh, <laughs> shag off. I know. I really feel like that synopsis. That's not even the whole point. I mean, the prison break takes place way later in the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, it's that they make it sound like that's the whole point there. That's the only thing that happens in the movie, really. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. Jamie, tell us all about it. Well, see, um, I'd never seen this one before. I have seen several James Cagney films in my time, but this is one that... Now, I'm familiar with the top of the world, ma! Like, <laughs> that I was familiar with. I didn't realize it came from this movie until I was talking about the movies I needed to watch for the show. And then Brian's like, oh, you know, we have Manchurian Candidate. You know, I'll definitely watch that one with you. And I said, cool. And then I said, the other one's White Heat. He's like, uh, you know, I'm... I don't really want to watch that one. And I said, have you seen it? And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, it's the, he's like, you know, that line at top of the world, ma. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that that is what that came from. But so there's that. Uh, I did, I did like the film. I feel like it's very long and uh, unnecessarily so. I don't necessarily think that there's anything bad in it. And it, it does have some brutal moments that I appreciate quite a bit, but I do feel like they could have easily trimmed a big chunk out of it and it would have gone a little smoother, I guess. There are some cool things I really did like about it, though. Like I liked uh, 
I liked, well, like I already mentioned, the brutality of some of the scenes. I appreciated that. I thought watching the police work was interesting with their whole ABC method with the cars, which I thought was pretty clever. You know, you they basically use three uh, three different cars to follow a woman. And so they'll they have they're all three driving parallel down three separate blocks. And then, you know, one of them will start following her. And then depending on which way she turns, he triggers the other guy and then he'll keep going. So as to alleviate suspicion, other guy will then pick up the tail and then they re-coordinate and then have somebody else pick up the tail. And then and that guy keeps going. I think that's very clever. It's just kind of a cool idea. Now, unfortunately, Ma picked up on it immediately and I don't know how, like I, I have no idea how as soon as they start driving, She's like, oh, I'm being followed. Like, what are you taught? How? Like, I mean, supposedly she has this instinct, you know, and I guess that's it. But it seemed a little silly to me because I thought that was a pretty damn clever plan. But oh, well, uh, we have James Cagney here who is I am just loving him every time he does one of his freak outs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> When he gets his headaches, you know, and he just wallows on the floor, just, oh, 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 I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, that's what we would today call like a migraine, I guess. But that's the apparently the crazy he caught from his dad. I, I can't really pick out a film or a TV show in particular, but that's there's been examples of that, like, in so many times where, like, the bad guy or, like, the the mean guy or whatever would get a headache and he would start having like fits of rage because of the headache or he blames the headache or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't watch anything with James Cagney without thinking of the Carol Burnett show and um, Steve, who was, who was Steve? Is that not Steve? Um, oh, what's his name? The comedian who would always do the James Cagney impression and he would have, ah, I cannot think of his name. Steve, he's from Steve and Edie. Steve, Edie Gourmet and Steve. Steve Lawrence, thank you. Oh, whew. <laughs> that was about to give me a migraine. Um, but apparently, as James Cagney, or his character, would Jared would fake headaches to get his mother's attention away from the rest of the family. And then as he got older, they became real. So I guess it was kind of like a psychosomatic thing. And then uh, they just developed into these like crippling migraines that would come on like red hot pokers in his brain, but just last for like a couple minutes and then go away. And so, okay. Um, I also loved it when he did his little freak out in the, in the prison um, to get to the infirmary or what the dispensary or whatever. That was, that was a great little moment. He's all struggling. Cause he is a little thing. Like he's, he's so little and he's so angry. <laughs> he just he's great at this stuff. He's a little over the top, but he's fun to watch because he's so little and angry. He's just, and he's uh, just mashing himself with all uh, beans in that scene and just, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and one of my one of my favorite lines. Okay, two things I love is in the beginning during the train heist, one of the guys calls him by name, right, Cody, and he's like he's like, "Why don't you give him my address while you're at it?" And I keep thinking of <laughs> I keep wanting to say we're using code names, <laughs> and then at the end or toward the end when they do the breakout and he he has the one guy wear the straight jacket and he tells him, now you get in the back and act 
<laughs> as you say, get in the get in the back and act like you're loony. <laughs> and I'm just I was dying because it was like great plan. Get in the back and act crazy. Uh, it was just. I don't know. I had fun with it. I do feel like it was too long, but I I had fun with it nonetheless. And and then of course we do have the the scene. The one scene that I was familiar with was the very ending scene where he's you know standing quote on top of the world, and then uh, we have this major explosion, which I thought. And then of course we end with the line, "Oh, he finally made it to the top of the world, and it blew up in his face." <laughs> so it blew up sky high for know. Christ's sake, you know. Yeah, it. Uh, so I, I found it entertaining. I did, and I have a big soft spot for like 1940s dialogue and acting, and the way that everyone, everyone, when they shot someone, held the gun like right next to their waist, yeah. and I, I don't know how that's supposed to work, <laughs> but everybody did it back then, and whether you were a bad guy or a cop, didn't matter. You're holding, you're holding your gun down here, and yeah, like just firing. And I guess maybe that's where shooting from the hip comes from. I don't know, but that, that's <laughs> that's what they all do. And I always get a kick out of that. I love those old gangster movies, so it was fun. What's that old west, uh, you know, quick draw, you know, firing thing, but. They're not really quick drawing. They're just kind of like firing their guns that way. And it is kind of strange. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And whenever you see a guy in a suit with a fedora who's holding a gun, that's exactly how he's holding it. He's, you know, I don't know. That was the thing. Yeah. Uh, Suzanne, what'd you think, girl? Okay, this one, I, I was really, I, I had high hopes for it because this was a first time watch for me. And I, honestly, I started it at like two o'clock yesterday afternoon, and I finished it at nine o'clock this morning. I could, it was, I could barely hold. There are some great scenes, but this movie just did not hold my attention. And I just have to, I you know, reiterate what Jamie said. It's just too long. There, it's there are so many great scenes and so many throwaway scenes. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of stuff we just didn't need. Yeah, the prison shit just got drawn out just too long. I really had... I, I wanted to spend more time with his mom. Yeah. I mean, they, they could have had just a few more scenes with her before Verna shot her in the back. Yeah, but, I liked all of those scenes with Verna and the mom and, and her. You know, there's plenty of stuff you could do around here without wearing out the mattress. Oh, I know. I was dying. That was one of the best lines in this movie for me. Well, it's the only place that's warm. But I just, I, I, I just think the movie was just a little too, I, I, for lack of a better term, like disjointed. It just didn't feel like one complete thought. It felt like scattered thoughts, which was why I was having a hard time, you know, paying attention to it. I said, I watched 20, 30 minutes. I'd have to get up and do something. I'd come back, watch 20, 30 minutes, do something else. But it was like four or five sittings for me to get through the whole thing. And one thing I do want to say, though, I mean, you can look at the individual performances that somehow managed to keep me invested. I, James Cagney, I've seen him in several movies, and he just has that that loco thing nailed. (laughs) 
And the first time he falls on the ground at the beginning, <laughs> flailing. <laughs> I mean, just just um, flailing. I know. And see, I didn't know what was wrong with him at the time, and I'm like, "What the fuck is happening? Like, is he having a, an epileptic seizure? Is he? I, I had no idea what was going attack? on. Yeah, I was like, "What's he doing? Because he's just like on the oh, oh. <laughs> like what? I mean, doing? I actually had to back it up a little bit. Trying to, <laughs> did I miss? Did, did somebody shoot him? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Okay, I just, I still, I'm trying not to laugh anymore, but it was, that was just hilarious. And then you get like that, and you find out what the reason was with the one cop talking to the other cop. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, he used to fake him to get his mama's attention away from the rest of the family. And then he gets him, now he gets him for real. I'm like, and this is how I get my explanation, really? But I, I did the the cars when they were doing the chase like you said as well i found i found a lot of the police stuff very interesting and i mean i think i I poked her i was trying to learn a little bit more about the movie and it was like one of the first of its kind to have any type of police procedural involved in it oh neat i didn't know that but in the one another thing you know the ending just was it all of a sudden boom the end like yeah it just stopped and that's just always been a big pet peeve of mine you You know what i've discovered since we've been doing our um (laughs) going through our box sets and we've watched a lot of 30s and 40s detective movies and stuff is that happens a lot I mean, it's like they just like, well, we've said we're going to say the end. You know, (laughs) they just movies just stopped dead. Yeah, I know. I was I was actually sitting in like stunned silence going, really? There's got to be just a little bit more. I mean, it's like, boom, the end. It's kind of like once they like once they dispose of the main character, I guess they figure no one cares what happens to anyone else i mean I'm, I'm guessing that was the mentality well there goes our main guy movie's over you know yeah that's just what it seems like but yeah i totally agree with that and yeah i think i would have liked more time with the mom like you said also i would have liked more time with the cops less time in the prison yeah they that just got so drawn out i that that's where i really started having the attention problems and, you know, it's like he leaves his mom in Varna and all of a sudden he's in prison. I'm like, huh? Did I miss something here? It's possible because once again, I'm focus is not wasn't there for me on this one. It just it, it had flaws. The individual performances were fantastic, but the story just seemed to get away from the writer. At least I, that's what I think. Um, my opinion of this movie, uh, first time watch for me as well, I've heard the same thing Jamie said, that, that top of the world, my line, had no idea where it came from, my, uh, introduction to James Cagney was the Animaniacs and Michelangelo from Ninja Turtles, that was my introduction to James Cagney, and, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's something, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I had a good time with this, like I said, it was a bit long, um, if I had a pick a cutoff moment for for the film, if if it was intact, I'd say it's um after he got out of prison, they they should have had like the final showdown between 
What was like his his number two guy's name that was also having sex with Verna as well? Uh, damn it, I can't remember his name. He was just kind of forgettable. He he was, but you know that that that's 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 another thing that 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 Verna character who was um who was Cagney's wife in this movie. I I I, I like the fact that she she just is one of those characters that'll churn on you in a second, no matter who she's with. Because he, he, even in the end, you could tell where it was going when um he was gonna take the basically take the rap for everybody and go to prison. What was going on? Like, yeah, she's gonna have sex with that guy right there. Like constantly, keep keeping that mattress warm, you know, uh, while he's away. And I wasn't wrong, and I wasn't disappointed. But yeah, it, it came right right down to the end, where you could tell that that he was a real mama's boy, and she she hated that, especially the part where she she left to go buy strawberries for her baby, you know, shit like that. And and um, of course, Mama's sporting the Studebaker in this movie. I I love that. Gotta love the Studebaker, and um. She, 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 well, I'm sorry. She was, she was pretty, huh? I, I thought you were going to say something. She's, uh, yeah, the mama, I wish she spent more time there too, but I think the film, I think the film itself should have ended when he came back to the, to the house that, that was apparently booby trapped where she can get inside apparently or something like that. This is after he found out through the, the prison grapevine that his mother had passed away. Okay, well, a guy well, got got killed because Mama comes to prison and says that you know if if she uh, couldn't take care of this, she, she, that's when she starts getting old. I was like, no, Mama, this is a dangerous criminal. Maybe you shouldn't pursue this. But of course, she gets shot in the back. You find out by by Verna, you know his his whore wife apparently. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's just slutting it up right down to the last drop, right to the end, like you know. I forget what was said, but something like, if 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 I if I become a witness or something like that, well, what'll happen? It's like, oh, nothing. Okay, well, fuck it, that or something like that. I forget the the, the line, but she was trying to pull a, a scam on the cops at the end to try to make things go her way, and it really wasn't working out. But um, the the part of the prison though where he's <laughs> he finds out that the mother passed away, that that's that's the, probably the greatest Cagney freakout moment of this movie, where he's. <laughs> Just, just rolling across that that lunchroom table, getting everybody's food and shit, and you know. <laughs> and then he just gets down, starts wail, just straight up decking people. That little, this little guy just beating the fuck out of grown men. It just, it's, it's funny. It's kind of like uh, he reminds me of Joe Pesci. Yes, you know, and and I have to wonder if Joe Pesci was inspired by Cagney when he was coming up because they're both little angry dudes who like throw their whole body into everything when they get into a freak out moment in movies. Had, had to have. He had to have. I, I can only imagine. Yeah, at, and like I said, you're you, you're hearing this kind of secondhand. Wouldn't you have liked to have seen Verna shoot Mama in the back? I know I would have. Yeah. That. Yeah, that was, I think, yeah, they seem to have difficulty showing, <laughs> like trying to, making the decision on what to show us and what not to show us. Because there yeah. are things that we, we we should have seen that we didn't see, and plenty of stuff that we saw that we didn't really need. But, um, there was a, shoot, I had something else about, there was another scene. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Well, I mean, one of my other issues while you're remembering your scene is mm-hmm. I really wanted revenge on Verna. She just goes to jail. 
that's it. You would yeah. think that, you know, he would have somehow found out that since, you know, that she had shot his mother, since it seemed to be pretty common knowledge. And I really wanted some kind of revenge against her. And I was left without it. Well, it seems like that would have been within his character and it would have been fitting for the story if we had gotten that, you know, like it would only make sense because his mother was the center of his world. So why, why wouldn't we get something like that? I think you're absolutely right. Um, Oh, I know what I was going to say is the, um, I have, I do have a couple of issues with some of the police stuff in that. His big plan to get out of going to the gas chamber for killing four people is he's going to just I'm just going to go to Illinois and I'm going to confess to a crime that to a crime that I didn't commit. And, you know, then I'll just get tossed in jail for that for two years. And uh, that really that's your plan. (laughs) And, And it works now, of course, it works because they make sure it works because they want him in prison and they, you know, they have their whole plan. I just feel like he probably could have done something different, but whatever. That's, that's what you chose to do. Um, the, but I just thought, well, what a bizarre plan from a hood's point of view. And the other thing was when the cops did, you know, after they did the ABC car thing and they, they followed him back to the motel and he comes out and the, the cops like, hey stop where you are and he shoots the cop doesn't kill the cop he shoots him in the arm and then (laughs) later on when they bring the mother and verna in and the mother and verna are like no we haven't seen him in months and he's like well what are you talking about he just shot me in the arm i was like three feet away from him you know what he said was i was as close to him as i am to you and he shot me in the arm and she's like do you have any witnesses like what (laughs) <laughs> and she's like, I mean, I I'm not a, yeah, they, I'm an yeah. old lady and I'm not a police officer, but I believe you have to have witnesses. Yeah, me. I watched him shoot me <laughs> in the fucking arm. Yeah, they've done this before, clearly. You know, this expert interrogation stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they're, getting, they're getting bested by an old, an old biddy and a whore, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, what are you even talking about? He, this is the police officer who's standing right there. He's got the bullet in his arm. Well, lots of people have guns. What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's why I loved the mother. She was just great. Little <laughs> uh, <sighs> bit. Yeah, good time. Like I said, they, they would have cut the movie off or were you, I guess you would have the final showdown between the... the, the, the Verna and her new boyfriend, or just Verna in general. You wanted Verna to get it, and she never got it. Again, the movie didn't go to the end until they got to the refinery or whatever they they were robbing. I think it was a refinery or oil company. Somewhere where they had flammable liquids that he could angrily knock off the top of, you know, and like he's... You know what it reminded me of? And then seen... Have you ever seen The Creature Walks Among Us, the third part of Creature from Black Lagoon? Oh, yeah. Fuck this. Fuck that. <laughs> He's just fuck breaking me. everything. Okay. Breaking everything. You want to know what it reminds me of in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 when he smashes the grill and the fire is coming out and he's got his hands up and he's like, you're all my children now? That was yeah. the first thing that popped into my head. <laughs> And then Tall Man pops up and says, "You think you die when you die? You go to heaven? No, you come to us." Well, they're not gonna—they're not gonna mash him down too far though. He's already real tiny though, so 
he's he's got that going on. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, good good time. I, I think of the few Cagney films that I've seen, and I've seen this. I've seen The Roaring Twenties, which also seems really long. Maybe it's the filmmakers giving Cagney way too much to do. I don't know, but um. Oh, I have a theory about why my movies were so long back then. I kind of feel like, you know, it, people didn't couldn't always justify spending the money to go to the movies, so maybe they figured they need to make it worth their time. I don't know, but they're... Because we went through this whole, like, movies were really long, then movies were short. Well, in the beginning, movies were short, then movies were really long, then movies were short, then movies were really long, and now we're kind of like back in the 90 minute to, depending on what it is, if it's like a Marvel movie, then you can, you can bet on at least two hours, but it's, they seem to go through cycles, you know, movie lengths, and I'm okay with movies being like 90 minutes, unless it's, if I'm just really loving every second of it, and I don't want it to end. Unfortunately, that was not the case with this one. I, cause while I did enjoy it, I did feel like it dragged, uh, quite a bit, but you know, what was my, one of my favorite Cagney films always was Yankee doodle dandy. Yes. I have seen that movie like a hundred times. I always love that movie. It's a good one. Come up to the talkies extra long, only a nickel, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff, man. Um, oh, we had we had another example of one of my favorite things from movies from this time period, which is the Dispatcher. Yeah, <laughs> the police Dispatcher. <laughs> they all sounded the same. It was fantastic, you know. And thirty miles an hour, east on forty second. Yeah. <laughs> they did it pretty well in Johnny Dangerously too, because that's the, the the whole scene with the grapevine. And now that you mentioned the dispatcher, all I see is Alan Hale uh, from, from Gilligan's Island on the fucking radio in Giant Dangerously. Say, same, same for us, for same, same sedan. Get ready for this. Now with duckies and bunnies, or whatever he says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you keep changing the fucking paper on the side of the car. I that, that's all. That's all that's in my head now because I, I blame Michael Keaton for that. But uh, um, that's about it for this one. I get to kick it to Jamie and uh. As for her rating, one to ten. Uh, you know, as much as I did enjoy this one, and we've got some great performances from Virginia Mayo and from, I don't know the mom's name, uh, but James Cagney as well. It's going to, I'm sadly not going to be able to put it as high as I would like, just because I feel like it did meander and it did drag, and, and that detracted from my overall enjoyment. So I'm going to have to say seven. Okay. Suzanne? I, after from the first scene, when he just shoots that dude, the two guys on the train, I'm like, this is going to be awesome. And it took me four to five sittings to watch the whole thing. I I'm I hate to give this such a low score, but I it, it just it completely fell apart for me. So I'm only a, and believe me, this this hurts me. I'm gonna give it a five. I was toying with a six, so don't feel. I mean, I I, I don't think you're totally out of line. Because the individual performances were fantastic, but the movie was just, 
I just don't think it was well put together. No, I agree. And and it, like you said, it did have some really great moments. And yeah, in the beginning, when he's just like, he killed, you know, you have too good a memory for names. I'm like, well, dude, he just said it like 30 seconds ago. It's not like, you know, um, although that was really stupid of the engineer to, to call him by name. It's like dumbass. But I honestly, you, you saw who they were anyway. So uh, chances are they were going to be dead regardless. Um, Anyway, when, when, right from the get-go, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. He's he's a bit of an ass. And, um, yeah, and it just didn't. I, so I don't I don't think you're out of line at all. I totally get that. So it's sad. Yeah, it's, it's a little long, like, like Suzanne said and Jamie said. and uh, But I can't get enough of Mama's snarkiness and Cagney's confidence. And it's, 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 it's pretty pretty prevalent in this movie and I'm uh, I'm going to go with Jamie and give it that 7-2. I, I really enjoy it but it's not something I'd go back to too often unless like I was out of the blue saying hey let's watch this and it's good though. I enjoyed it though. And, uh, I'm going to leave it at that. I can totally see why Brian has seen it already and wasn't crazy to jump back on board and see it again. Like I get that after watching it. You know. But uh, up next we're going to talk about communism in Angela Lansbury and a whole lot more in The Manchurian Candidate from 1962 right after this. The King of the Jungle Sleep in his car When your chances Fall in your lap like that You gotta recognize them For what they really are Nobody in this house Wants to own up to the truth I crawl in shotgun And reach into his mouth Grab hold of one long sharp tooth And hold on Dear life, I hold on Well, of course he wakes up His paw hits the horn I am gonna regret The day that I was born And then mom rushes out to the driveway my sister too Everyone's screaming I am Dreaming of you I hold on For dear life I hold on And my arms get sore the 
blowtorch the doors I start wailing The lion roars There's no good way to end this Anyone can see There's this great big you And little old me And we hold on You will never entirely comprehend this, Raymond. But you must believe I did not know it would be you. I served them. I fought for them. I'm on the point of winning for them the greatest foothold they will ever have in this country. And they paid me back by taking your soul away from you. I told them to build me an assassin. I wanted a killer from a world filled with killers. And they chose you because they thought it would bind me closer to them. But now we have come almost to the end. One last step. And then when I take power, they will be pulled down and ground into debt for what they did to you. And what they did in so contemptuously underestimating me. The Manchurian Candidate from 1962. Uh, eh, plot synopsis is this. A, for, a former prisoner of war is brainwashed as an unwitting assassin for an international communist conspiracy. Uh, the stars... Lawrence Harvey, Frank Sinatra, Janet Lee, Angela Lansbury, a very Asian Henry Silva. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. John <laughs> <laughs> MacGyver, and there's some other folks too. And um, I'll kick it to Suzanne first for this one this time around. What did you think of the Manchurian Candidate, Suzanne? This is one of, this is in my top 10 favorite movies of all time ever. I this was not even on my radar until maybe 2000 and after my father passed my dad didn't have a lot of books he had maybe 10 or 15 but there was a very well-worn copy of the Manchurian candidate on his bookshelf I'm like wait I th I've heard of this so I grabbed the book and uh when I got back home happened to be looking through the TV listings and guess what I found coming on in 10 minutes, the Manchurian candidate. I was just absolutely floored by this movie. And I watched, I grew up watching Angela Lansbury on murder. She wrote and seeing her is this just cold conniving, clawing her way or clawing her husband's way up to the top of the ladder was just, I, I was blown away. And every time I watched this movie, it's, it's still her, her performance is just one of the best performances I've ever seen in a movie. I, I just find it one of my favorite scenes in the beginning. Cause they're, they're all sitting there, they're smoking and they're making the reference that it's a, uh, Whack, wacky weed. I don't know what that is, Suzanne. You gotta explain that to me. You know, 
Oh, oh, okay, no. yeah. <laughs> and they're just these dirty, beat-up guys smoking, and these ladies it, talking about their hydrangeas. Back in those days, they called and, them jazz cigarettes. <laughs> and uh, it's, I'm like, how how do you not see it? But I've always been kind of interested in the whole idea of subliminals and programming. So that was, I just found that so strange. And then, you know, they, you, they flip the camera again and it's back to being these very creepy oriental gentlemen in their war regalia. But that was, it's the first, I just find that scene just riveting. I don't know what it is about it. It's just, every time I see it, it's just so odd and strange and Lawrence Harvey, I, I, he, I don't know. The only thing that the only takeaway I have from this is, it just at times he just seemed a little too stiff and wooden. I know that was his character. His character was, you know, straight laced by the by the rules, doing everything, and you know that was just him. But I just found some at some points I just noticed that he's a little more stiff. And then let's talk about Frank Sinatra. Not so much a fan of Frank Sinatra as a human, because I think he's a horrible person or was a horrible person. But I think this completely defines his movie career. He was so charismatic. He sold Marco incredibly well. And trying to you know, get to the bottom of what's going on, the strange dreams that everybody in the company was having. And the fact that they're all like, he was the kindest, gentlest human being I've ever met. And the, the, the kind of the dreamy way that they all say it the same exact way. Um, I, I, I just, I, I, it's so hard to talk about this. I, just love this movie so much and the scene at the very end yes there will be spoilers when he's setting up where his mother thinks he's going to take out the presidential nominee and I swear to god I was watching that and I was thinking about the ending of the dead zone where Johnny is getting ready to take out Martin Sheen it's like it's almost set up it's there both scenes are set up incredibly similarly parallax view two is almost the same exact thing oh shit i haven't thought about that movie in years i did it with darren and his show not too long ago so that's why it's fresh in my brain yeah i've got to find myself a copy of that i love that movie and i just there's just something about this movie and there's johnny just being such uh a dumb, manipulated, henpecked, um, wannabe leader of the free world. That was some of those scenes between the very few scenes between her and Johnny, especially at the party he throws for Josie, when she's like, uh, "Yes, here, have your drink and go sit someplace out of sight." And you, you know who's you, you just know who's running the show. She's just. So very evil. Like I said, I think this is one of the best performances I've ever seen in my entire life. I can't think of anything that even remotely comes close to how great 
Angela Lansbury played that. Um, I keep trying to think of, you know, anything else. It's there's just little things here and there, but this, those are the things that just always stick out to me. Cool, Jamie. Uh, well, also big fan of this film. It has been a long time since I've seen it. But and I actually think I've only seen it one other time as a kid, but I really liked it. And then I just have not watched it since then. And uh, Brian really likes this one, too. So we we own this. And so he was all excited to watch this one. And as I'm watching it, like I remember it was funny because I remember the very end as far as I remember what happens when he's supposed to be taking out the one guy. And but when he's loading the rifle, I'm like, "How many do you need?" You know, because <laughs> he just keeps loading it, keeps loading it, and uh, and then of course we get to the very very end, and Brian's like, "That's why three. and I was like, "Oh yeah," and that made me very sad. But I can't really think of another way to end it, uh, just because. I mean, he's he's screwed now. I mean, there's no going back, really. Um, Angela Lansbury was uh, insanely good in this. and But you know what's weird to me is when she made this movie, she was only like 36 years old. And I, I look at her and then I look at me. And I'm like, <laughs> Damn. I mean, she just popped out looking old, I think. Now, I have seen her in other things, you know, when she was much younger. And, you know, she looked much younger. But I just, I'm looking at her in this film, and I'm like, I can't believe she's not even 40. Like, I just, I don't buy it. But, I mean, I don't know. That, people... A lot of that was hair and makeup. Yeah. And... Um, so they, they made her a little more matronly with the matronly. way that they her. Absolutely. Yeah, it just, that's true. Um, but it was just, it's weird. But... Yeah, her performance is amazing. Also, James Gregory, too, whom I know more intimately from things like Westerns. I've seen him in a lot of Westerns. He's in uh, The Sons of Katie Elder. for, And I – I'm just – and lots of things. I mean, he did lots and lots of things. He's He's been all over TV and movies and even up until recently. But he played that senator role so extremely well. It's – uh, it was so interesting to me to watch every single time he got on the floor and he just and she basically she fed him everything he was supposed to say, everything that every way he was supposed to react, his speeches, everything came directly from her. And she played him. She had this puppet and he played it so well. And she just talked to him like he was nothing. And he just. And she's like, you know, thinking is not something you're that, you know, that you're very good at. And he's just like, hey, get me another drink, you know. And he's talking to the barber or whoever, like, who's fixing his thing. And he's like, you know, a little scotch and a little water. And then the the the, the, the ratio of scotch to water was uh, was definitely heavier on the scotch side. So you get the impression from that. I mean, this is this is what their life has been. And he doesn't whatever. He just does it. He just goes along with it. And this is what she's used to. This is she's used to. She's used to pulling the strings, and she used to, she's used to getting her way, and she is just straight up evil. Uh, there are some really fun – you already mentioned the whole garden party moment, uh, like when we're getting the flashbacks through 
other people's dreams, which I think is an incredibly clever way to do that. I also really like the touch, and it's a small thing, but I think it's really uh, it's really nice, is that when we get our second dream, uh, basically flashback, is um, it's black women at a black gathering. Like the, they're all – all the garden party women are black. And then you don't, you know, you don't really think anything of it until the guy that wakes up, the soldier that wakes up who was having that dream is also black. And you're like, that makes sense because this is something that was filtered through his mind. So, yes, they controlled them or they conditioned them to uh, to see things the way that they wanted them to see them and to remember things the way that they wanted them to. But it's still being filtered through their individual minds. And I thought that was a nice way to show that. It was a very subtle way. Nobody had to point it out. Nobody had to say, look at the difference between this, what this guy sees and what this guy sees. No, it just made sense that, that, that in your own mind you would draw from things that are closer to you on a personal level. So I thought that was a really cool little touch. I'd, um, I'm not always crazy about Frank Sinatra as an actor, uh, necessarily. I, it's not that he's straight up terrible or anything. I just, I like his music. I've always been drawn to his music, but and other than that, I've never really had any interest in the man. Like I've just never been mesmerized by him by, uh, like a lot of people are, you know, I do appreciate his music and that's it. But I thought he was really good in this role. Hell, I thought everyone was. And one of my, another one of my favorite things is when they're at the costume party and the mom removes the queen of diamonds. She, she removes the queen of diamonds and, uh, she walks out of the room and she's coming back. But while she's gone, his uh, the, the the girl that he really likes just happens to show up to this costume party and happens to be dressed as the Queen of Diamonds. What the hell? Like, <laughs> like, what are the odds of that? And I thought that was hilarious because the first time we see her, I thought he was having some kind of mental breakdown. He was just envisioning her as a Queen of Diamonds. And I was like, oh, the, yeah, okay. And then we pull back and realize it's a costume. I was like, oh, that is the very definition of irony right there. You know, I thought that was great. Um, although I find it interesting that if they were like communist or communist sympathizers, that she, the thing she would choose to be dressed as is the queen of diamonds. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, anyway, uh, this is a really, really, really good riveting film that I think this one is a little long too, but I don't even notice is the thing. I don't, I don't remember the exact runtime of it, but it was over before I realized it. 126 minutes, so two hours and six minutes long. Okay, yeah. It, yeah. it doesn't so, feel like it, though. It feel it's like actually it. even... It's actually longer than White Heat, which I think is only like an hour and 50-something. So... <laughs> it's a longer film, but I'd never even noticed because I'm so into it though everything about it is interesting and even today there are so many i'm just going through as i'm watching the film going through all the different ways that we could apply things to today and i find it fascinating um i think the film is still relevant absolutely and i think it always will be that's the thing is that people don't change you know um 
I do <laughs> I do think it's kind of funny that their whole plan was what it was. Uh like, you know, let's take out the nominee and then I'll be a shoe in as nominee. Well, all right, why don't you just wait till he's president? Then take him out then, unless, of course, you think that your party might not stand a chance. Like you you think that even if uh, when it comes down to the election that there's a chance your party won't win the election. OK, then I guess I could kind of see it and that, that something like that, something that patriotic and heroic would sort of push you over the top. But um, I just thought that was an interesting and, you know, a, a really interesting plan to get the presidency. It seems a little <laughs> Uh, convoluted, but you know, whatever, uh, it doesn't matter because it's incredibly intriguing to watch. And the moment when it's re- now, I already knew, but since it had been so long, I could kind of put my, I could kind of put myself in the mindset that I didn't know. Like I could kind of try to stand outside of it a little bit. And the moment when you realize for the first time that his mom is the one that is doing all of this. It's, I, it's, I don't, it's kind of horrifying. I mean, it's really damn, you know? And then when she gives him that whole speech about how, um, I had no idea it was going to be you, you know, they did this and now they're going to pay, uh, for taking your soul away from you and doing all that. And I'm just, and then at that moment, I'm kind of thinking, well, why are you getting all maternal now? You never seem to give a damn before it. I don't think you really give a damn now. But, um, yeah, it just, I don't know. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. I've never seen the remake. I No, absolutely not. Brian saw it, and I asked him how it was, and he said it wasn't bad. It was unnecessary, but he said it was okay. He thought he remembered Denzel Washington being pretty good in it, but he you know, just didn't think it was really necessary. I have never seen it, though. I would be curious to see it, just what, just to see what they did with it. But I think Liam Shriver shows up, too, in that movie. Oh, I like him. I like him, too. Yeah, I do, too. Well, I think one of the things I, I meant to point out and was just how cold of a person she was when she ordered him to kill the senator. Mm-hmm. And then Josie comes downstairs and he shoots her, too. Oh, my God. My heart just sank. I mean, she literally just killed off the two people in the world that made him feel happy. Like he was loved, like he was a part of a real family. Normal. Yeah. It just, it, and, and the the whole, oh, that whole conversation that takes place when he gets to the senator's house and the senator's going into the kitchen and he's like, oh, telling him, oh, you're like a son. I, you know, I, I'm so happy for you. I love you so much. And, and all of this stuff, even knowing the feud that he's had with this guy's family, he still, he didn't care, you know? Um, well, yeah, um, he, no, I mean the the feud the senator had had with Robert's fa- or uh, what's his name? <laughs> Crap, um, son's family. Like he, they hate each other, and he is still willing to welcome this guy into his home and and into his family. And he's so nice. And it's just the things that he said were so wonderful. Meanwhile, he's standing there, and he's like, "Oh, what's that?" And he's like, "A pistol," and I'm like, "And the, he's just so deadpan." When he does it. And then, you know, she comes running down the stairs and he just 
bam. And holy crap, is he a good good marksman, though, by the way. Nailed the guy through the milk carton and then nailed her, <laughs> nailed her through the head. And that whole scene is just incredibly tragic, which is why I think, honestly, the way this film ended is the only way it could. Oh, I, I agree with you 100%. There's really no other options. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing left. You know, it's... It, uh, if he could reclaim his brain, I don't think he'd want it. No. He kind of did, yeah, at the end. He kind of had that moment of clarity because he, he knew the, oh, only, yeah. the only way to make it stop was to do what he did. Which, guys, this is a this is a 50-year-old movie, so if we're spoiling it for you, I, I don't apologize. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nah, deal with it. Uh, <laughs> I love that he's wearing his Medal of Honor at the end. Mm-hmm. Because at that point he actually deserves it. Yeah, and he's like, you know, you couldn't stop him. The police couldn't stop him. That's why I didn't call you. He had to do it himself. And oh my god, Fuck. It was heartbreaking. Oh uh, yeah, now we're gonna read the book. Um, yeah, I've got to go finish. see if I can find my dad's copy that I took when I cleaned his house out. Yeah, we um we're currently reading Headhunter by Michael Slade and oh, I've got to go reread that and Shock. That Shock. <laughs> what the hell is the name of it? Maybe it is Shock. The one about the band. Mm, I don't know. Brian would know. I think I probably got it on the shelf. Um anyway, sorry about that. No, as a, but as soon as we finish Headhunter, I would like to uh I'd like to read Manchurian Candidate because um I never have. And I just feel like it would be. And Brian's like, when I was watching it, when we were watching this, I was, I kept thinking, damn, this would be a really good book. And I'm like, it is a book. He's like, I know, I want to read it. <laughs> yeah, I so. still, I really hope I have not lost that copy that I got from my father's house. Oh man, yeah, I'm with Suzanne. I'm in the same boat. I didn't see this till probably like the early 2000s, maybe closer to 2010. I was new as a thing. I was new that the themes of the story. I just never actually sat and watched it. But when I did, let me tell you, and uh, Angela Lansbury shows up with her true intentions in this movie. I was like, this is this is Miss Miss Price from Bread Knobs and Bruises. What the fuck's going on in my life right now, man? Because she was always that 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 nice, you know, whatever, just singing me a jaunty tune and shit. And even you know, Mrs. Potts from Beauty and the Beast, of course. And I don't watch a lot of murder she wrote because. It came out at a time where if I wasn't 70 years old, I wasn't watching it. And uh, I never I never caught it. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um, yeah, it, great performances throughout this whole film. I mean, I, I love I love the, the, the trigger, how the trigger is used so well. Be, being the, 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 the queen of diamonds, the, the whole idea of him, you know, you go, he, he, here's your cards. And she has them locked in a special place, this one deck of cards. To, to, I guess she pre-shuffles them where that Queen of Diamonds is going to show up and, of course, make him want to go kill people. Um, I, I love the, 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 the you know, I, I forget. If it's, it's like it's like an interrogation. It's probably one of the best interrogations ever, scenes I've ever seen to where Frank Sinatra is, is trying to get through his, through his friend with this deck of cards because he obviously knows what his trigger is now to make him do what he, do what they want to do and... The, the big reveal is the whole deck is a queen of a queen of diamonds, and he just gets like the whole the whole kit and caboodle of what's going on, you know, with the, their conspiracy against but finding out who the communists are. That that's a big theme of this movie about you know that the communist party being still still being very prevalent in the Cold War, and 
this has to be done for for America and Mama being a part of all these political groups and this this is this makes it okay, but it doesn't make it okay because you're you're turning your your baby boy into a killer on purpose. Not 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 you know being at least when they're talking about their communist shit, they're they're they have the ability to to think on their own. He he has the ability to to think or function on his own when he gets triggered and just starts murdering folk. And oh my god, she she's just she just plays a wonderful bitch in this movie. And you, you you're so glad with the conclusion of what happens to her. I think yeah, you need to go and uh and you did. And I I, I almost I almost got like a like a like a like a cheer of 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 joy when when. Junior blasted his mom in the head like, "Yeah, just make make the voices stop, okay? Good, good job, good job on you." Um, one thing I wanted to bring up a lot, a lot of these, this new stuff, like if you've seen <clears throat> Captain America: The Winter Soldier, wouldn't have worked unless they read the Venturing Candidate or seen this movie first, because the film starts with uh, Bucky getting read these these keywords to make him want to go kill people, and that that's the the the, the keywords in this movie. I think that even that even happens at some point. We don't remember they they say certain words to him, or maybe it happens in other movies. But his, his trigger is obviously the the Queen of Diamonds, and uh, that's what uh, makes him go carry out his mission. I I agree with you guys. That it was pretty brilliant. The, the the way the different soldiers interpreted the flashback of of what you know, if it was a flashback, was it or is it? You know, I I don't know because it was all it was all so surreal and whacked out to like. And by the way, here, ch- ch- choke your friend. I-, I guarantee he's gonna stop. He's gonna stop, and of course he doesn't stop, and his friend drops dead, and that that's that's when they wake up. I mean, this whole thing is predicated on stuff that was put into their minds, kind of like yeah, another one. Yeah, I- I'm not I'm not saying they plagiarized it, but if you watch Jacob's Ladder, you watch this film together. I I think it'd be a nice double feature because the whole time you're watching Jacob's Ladder, you've never seen it before, people. You know. He thinks he's hallucinating this whole time, but in the end, he realizes you, you don't know if he's hallucinating. Is he dreaming? Is he? Is this because he's dying on the the table in Vietnam? You don't know what's going on with his character either. Much like in these flashbacks, but you know, I didn't see a, a monster come out of Angela Lansbury while she was dancing erotically in this movie, and that Jacob's Ladder has that. So, <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty awesome. God rest Elizabeth Pena. You were you were sexy as fuck in that scene, even with a monster coming out of you. You know, um, yeah. Frank Sinatra was 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 good. The the, the, the kind of like the the good friend, the good voice of reason. In the in this movie, just uh, d- doing his best to help a friend that can't really be helped, and and that that's um that's that's a shame. That's like the biggest tragedy of this film is that his mind is so far gone for everything that they've done to him. That he he has no no ability to to think on his own, and <laughs> talk about controlling mothers, right, kids? Yeah, she she was uh she was extra controlling in this movie, even the the the, the points are the points in the film where you know they, they, he introduces this is my mother and the, this this is his father. He he kind of slows down that action of how much he hates his stepfather toward, towards the end there and. Uh, it's it's just a great film, and I, I I haven't seen it. I've seen it once before, but besides for the show, and I, I need to go pick up that uh, Criterion Blu-ray. I think that I'm sure there'll be some tasty extras on there for for me to look at, and that might be a thing when yeah. there there are many sales pop up again. Yeah. Yes, I will. 
I need to have a copy of this. I don't know how I don't have a copy of this. But, um, that's about my schmeal on it. I'll kick Well, Gary, you've seen the remake. What did you think of it? I seen it in theaters when it came out. Because I wasn't aware it was a remake. It just looked good on the preview. But I couldn't tell you if I liked it or didn't like it. I could t- I, I'm much like Brian. I, I could tell you that it did. It wasn't terrible. But, um, okay. yeah, that, that's about all I remember about it. And it, it possibly Liam Shriver may have been in it. I'm pretty sure he was, though. Well, Jamie, if you decide to watch the remake, let me know what you think of it. Okay. Because I'm, I just, I don't think I could ever pull the trigger on that. Oh, but I'm bummed Oh, God, that was really bad. <laughs> she didn't make a me. She didn't mean to make a joke, I promise, at this movie's expense. But uh, I'll kick it to Jamie and uh, ask her any final thoughts. And what did she give it? One to ten? Uh, one more thing I wanted to mention was during the dream sequences, the flashbacks, the whatever, when we see their conditioning. I really love how cold it was or how these guys just had no idea. I mean, he's like, you know, go strangle your friend. And he's like, okay. And then he walks by a guy, excuse me. And then the guy gets, he smiles and gets up and lets him go past. And then he's like, excuse me. And then he gets up, guy gets up, smiles, gets out of his way. He goes to stand behind the guy. He's about to choke. And the guy like, Hey, what's up? I mean, it's, it's so chillingly done. It is so freaking good. I can't put into words how good it is you just seriously have to watch it you really do and for that reason i can think of absolutely nothing wrong with this film so uh it gets a straight up 10 from me cool uh suzanne i think this movie is as close to perfection as you can get i the only we didn't even touch on janet lee Oh, God, that's right. I always forget she's in it because it just seems like she's not. Yeah, I, I know. Because, I mean... Well, she, she's, there, Frank she's, Sinatra's, she's there to distract him, right? Frank Sinatra's character, basically. She's, she's like, just believes him without going, oh, come on, you got to be not. She's like, okay. She is just completely accepting. But I just... Sinatra's character is so polarizing in this movie, you just don't really see anything else. And the same thing with Lawrence Harvey and Angela Lansbury. I mean, everybody. I it 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 is top ten favorite movie of all time. So it, I'm I could talk for hours about this movie, but I'm just it's a ten. It will if, if I could go eleven, it I would turn it up to eleven. Cool. Yeah, I I, I really dug it. And this is this is technically my real first time watching this film. I watched it before but I didn't watch it watch it all the way it's just one of those things that was in the shuffle that I didn't see before so I watched it but you know with with the, with the deep uh deep analysis and a deep uh vision into myself for this movie uh I I give it a uh a tentative nine it's probably going to go higher as as time goes on but I got to watch it again a couple more times to really to really dive into it so to be fair I'll knock off a point and uh go go with that nine but um, right after this, we'll come back and talk about some dead folks and to close out the show. See you guys soon. Hey, did you guys ever notice that podcasts talk about the same movies over and over again? Yeah, as much as I love Friday 13th, I don't need another show telling me how good it is. Exactly. Same thing goes for Halloween. 
It's a great movie, but come on, there's other stuff out there. There should be a show that highlights movies that everyone else seems to skip over. Like, oh, I always wanted to talk about Absentia. And I want someone to cover the room. The Skeleton Key's a good one. Then let's just do one. We can call it The ABCs of Hidden Horror, and we'll go through the alphabet talking about our favorite horror flicks that get ignored. Great idea! I know what my first one's gonna be. Join Brian, Dave, and me, Jamie, for the ABCs of Hidden Horror on the Horrorphilia Network, where we might discuss some of your neglected favorites or introduce you to something new. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy. African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. <clears throat> this is a, a segment, a familiar segment, which was uh, once we maligned Stanley, I why maligned Stanley on. But I don't do that anymore, and so I renamed this segment from your few votes, 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 votes. Uh, <laughs> I was fumbling my words, fumbling my words there for a second. Uh, Notice the butcher block, and uh, on the butcher block we only have one person to name that I can think of at the moment, but he's a pretty important one. Uh, Dave Dave Missioner, he was uh, one of those old old school Disney. Uh, animators from, from way back in the day. He may have done things, a few things you've heard of before, but Robin Hood, we've done on the show, uh, the Aristocat, Aristocats, the Jungle Book, 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, he was right in there in that time where they were making all that, they were in that sweet spot of, of making those movies all the way through to, through the Great Mouse Detective, which is um, one of my one of my all-time favorites. I think um, our boy El Goro was, was doing on his show, Talk Without Rhythm, so if you want to hear some coverage of that movie... Um, and right away, uh, go go check out Talk Without Rhythm. He did that with Treasure Planet on his show. Um, for his Anna Animation Month, you see what he did there with, with the May. Mm, clever brother, clever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, uh, needless to say, you know, I, I never met the man myself, but he's done tons of stuff. Oh, uh, also the Fox and the Hound, which is you know one of the only films that could still make this big grub cry sometimes, you know. Like, just turn the fox and the hound to have a good cry. But, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna kick it to, um, Jamie first, and, uh, and I know we talked a lot about old-school Disney animation on, on the Robin Hood review, but what do you think, uh, there, Jamie? Uh, well, I mean, that's not... His is not really a name that I was all that familiar with so it doesn't really strike me on a personal level but i think it always is sad to see someone like that go you know who de- whose work i'm familiar with whether or not i was actually familiar with oh, the no, person. i wasn't familiar with the person either just like like you say the work uh, the work speaks for itself though 
the stuff that he worked. Oh, on. absolutely! Yeah. It no, it definitely, it definitely does. But uh, I just, I didn't know who was attached to it. So, um, you know, but that, yeah, I mean, on the on that level, I'm definitely close to the work, and that makes me sad. Cool, uh, Suzanne. I just think it's sad that with his passing, there's just I don't think there's anybody really left that did that style of animation. You know, we're never going to see that again. It's all computer generated. And I just love watching the old movies and knowing that each and every thing was hand drawn and hand colored. And it's I just find it to be there's such artistry to it. So I just think it's so sad that, you know, he's passed and that style is pretty much extinct. Well, unless you're like Korean slave drivers, you would cry, make your animators work uh, n- nights at a time doing doing uh, Teen Titans Go or some shit like that. <laughs> you draw it now. You draw it now. Yes. That's terrible, but I know. It it, it does happen, though. <laughs> Although I, I'm pretty impressed on the work people do on, like, I know it's not with a pencil, but the work they do on iPads and stuff like that, it's, it's pretty spectacular, but it's nothing like that, that old school, you know, frame by frame, you know, almost like flip book animation that we saw when we were kids. And uh and that was one of the best examples of that and him and I'm sure forty other animators worked on a lot of these films, so it took a long time to do it, imagine. You know, although those Pixar films now I hear take like four hour four four years to make. I almost said four hours, but that's not true. But uh still lots of work going to them. And uh it's it's like a, a little chunk of my childhood was taken away with his passing, and because he made a lot of stuff I enjoy, and um, yeah, there's not really much else to talk about as far as deaths go, but um, I'm gonna kick it to Jamie and say Happy Mother's Day again to to all your uh with, with all the fur babies going on, and uh, oh, thank you. They love you. They're there for you when nobody else is, right? <laughs> yeah, they're always here. <laughs> Always underfoot, always in my way, always running their mouth, but I love them. What you got coming up, girl? Um, let's see. I've got an episode of Evil Episodes that's recording this weekend, and uh, we're supposed to be doing the next letter, which is letter R of ABC's the next weekend. And then, of course, there will be another Married with Children dropping on Wednesday. One just dropped yesterday. Uh, oh, and the Cinema PsyOps that I guest hosted on will be dropping this coming Sunday. Oh, on Mother's Day. On Mother's Day, yeah. So, there's that. Mm-hmm. On Mother's Day, listen to us talk about a movie where a bunch of kids get killed. Yeah! Woohoo! <laughs> Suzanne! Um, okay, yesterday we just released Doghouse, which was my, my birthday pick. So about a month too late, but still, listen to the commentary for Doghouse and I do believe that is all I've got coming up. Cool. This one and the two Jake Minimum commentaries can both be heard on LegionPodcast.com. Um, I believe the next thing that you will hear from, from us, from, from this uh, camp, will be uh, if I can get the people together. If not, it'll be released later. Um, is a review, a full review of um, season one of the Cobra Kai series, which I was very impressed with. And lots of the folks are very impressed with, too. So... I'm sure I could snag a couple of folks for that talk about uh, the struggle of one Johnny Lawrence and his hatred still of uh, Daniel LaRusso. 
<laughs> oh man, I, I think I titled it a, a Serpent Scorned, and my, my buddy Sean got right on the art for me. And So thanks, Sean Breeding, who does that, and all the other arts for this show, and for, for two drink minimum commentaries. Guy's busy man, do, do, doing the Android Vision stuff, and trying to start a MMA, MMA career way, way too late, you know, but he's he's working out of people. And, uh, yeah, Twitter at GW, Twitter at CineBeefCast, but the next uh, full show you should hear, and I'm, I'm going to announce it because he seemed like he was ready to go, 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 and uh, as, a rule, as a rule of thumb, if uh, Dan Chase shows up, he could be on the show. So the next full show you will hear will be our prom theme show, where Irish will be back as well. It's uh, it's called a Misfits uh, a Misfits Lament, I think, and it's going to feature Carrie and Angus, about basically two 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 outcasts who come out on top, son. And I really uh, I think I really gonna enjoy the show. Also on that show, I I didn't mention him. He was the first one to be up on this show. Danny Trioxin from the Midnight Horror Show is also going to be joining us. You'll have two Dans on this show. That is if Dan shows up, and I have faith because he was really excited to do this that Dan will show up. So, fingers crossed, people. And uh, that's the end of this one. Happy Mother's Day to all. Oh, not in the UK. You celebrate on a different day than us. But, you know, celebrate your mothers anyway, UK people. They they work hard for you. But this has been your Sydney Podcast.
podcast where you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See you all next time. Almost forgot the tagline there, see? (laughs) Ha ha ha!